Now as we turn to scripture, let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Friends, our first scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Habakkuk. Listen to the word of God. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, and justice goes forth perverted. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower, and look out to see what he will say to me that I will answer concerning my complaint. The righteous shall live by his faith. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up, it is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. And our second scripture for today is from the book of 2 Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Guard the deposit entrusted to you. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound of words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Both my family and my husband's family have been Presbyterian and in Pittsburgh for quite some time, and both the Presbyterian world and Pittsburgh have that small-town vibe in which everybody knows everybody. So it's not unusual for me to hear things like, wait, what year did your dad graduate seminary? I think we went to seminary together. Or, are you related to the Howells at Sixth Presbyterian? One time while I was in seminary, I preached as pulpit supply at the first church my dad served right out of seminary, which was a very strange experience indeed because they all seemed to know me, but I didn't remember anyone there because I was only three or four when my dad received a call elsewhere. Um, Those of you who've met my mom know that I look and sound a great deal like her. I had one woman after church that day say to me, I didn't see the name in the bulletin, but during the first hymn, I could have sworn I heard Patty up there singing. And then I saw your name in the bulletin and I realized it wasn't Patty, it was her daughter, which was both weird and nice at the same time. I can imagine that Timothy, when reading this letter, felt similarly. I can surely sympathize with him that even in this letter, he's hearing about his mother and his grandmother and how much he is like them. The author says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. There is something very special about those qualities that are passed down through families, be they biological families or church families, things like a call to ministry, a singing voice, sincere faith like that of Lois and Eunice. But not every family has a legacy like that. Every family has at least some broken places, those things we'd like to not pass on to those coming after us. Some families pass down very harmful legacies of violence and abuse. But we only seem to want to talk about the nicer parts. Sometimes we get so caught up in trying to smooth over the rough patches that we forget to tell any of the story at all in a meaningful way. We fail to claim any part of the legacy because some part of it is broken or tainted. When the Crisis Center North contacted me a few weeks ago about partnering together during Domestic Violence Awareness Month, I jumped at the opportunity for a couple of reasons. First of all, we are praying for new community partnerships and ways to get involved with the community, and here is one that just fell out of the sky. In case you're wondering how you know it's God speaking, that's how. (laughs) Second, as a survivor of an abusive marriage myself, this is an issue that is very close to my heart. And so as I I met with Jeremy and we talked about how we as a congregation, including those over at St. Andrews, could support the center, one of the things that, that came up in our conversation was how few churches actually do anything on Domestic Violence Awareness Sunday. And that struck me as very strange because I couldn't remember observing it myself, which didn't seem right. It didn't seem to fit with what I know about me. And then I saw it as I looked at my planning calendar 
Domestic Violence Awareness Sunday is in our planning calendar the same day as World Communion Sunday. They are stacked on top of one another. World Communion Sunday is such a big deal that even my home church that observes very little of traditional church calendar or anything on the planning calendar participates in World Communion Sunday. Churches that have communion maybe twice a year have communion on World Communion Sunday. So if anyone's wondering what my new soapbox is going to be as I shake trees at Presbytery and General Assembly, it's figuring out how to get the denomination to move Domestic Violence Awareness Sunday to any other Sunday on the calendar short of maybe Easter, right? So so many churches don't feel like they have to choose. Because let's face it, if you're given the option to talk about something really difficult and socially taboo, or about how we're all connected to one another through Jesus and world peace and all of that, how many people are going to choose the uncomfortable one? In fact, many pastors see World Communion Sunday on the calendar and don't read past it. We don't even realize that that has a Sunday. And even I was torn. About this. I love World Communion Sunday. I think it's important and vital to our statement as a church and our place in the world. How do you ignore that? The Sunday in which churches all around the world, even ones that don't celebrate communion more than a few times a year, celebrate it all together as a statement of witness to the gospel that we are all one in Christ. But at the same time, how do you ignore a major injustice that affects the vulnerable? all around the world, both in our own backyard and on the other side of the globe. It's estimated that um, 35% of women worldwide have experienced either physical and or sexual intimate partner violence or violence by a non-partner. 35%. One in three women and one in four men have experienced some form of physical violence by an intimate partner. One in seven women and one in 25 men have been injured by an intimate partner. One in four women and one in seven men have been victims of severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. The presence of a gun in a domestic violence situation increases the risk of homicide by 500%. Intimate partner violence accounts for about 15% of all violent crime in our country. That number is on par with violent crime that can be attributed to drug violence. These numbers don't change in any significant manner whatsoever if you isolate groups based on income level race, age, etc. Partner violence and child abuse are also one of the most underreported crimes worldwide. This is a huge problem. This is a worldwide issue. This is a justice issue. And we as the church are called to protect and stand up and speak up for the vulnerable. Yet here we've tossed this token nod at this issue in a way that gives every church out there an easy way out from talking about it. And the first thing that we as God's people can and should be doing to combat violence in the home, both here in our local neighborhoods and worldwide, is to be talking about it. We have to tell our stories. 
Statistics indicate that I am not the only person in this room who has been a victim of domestic violence, either at the hands of a romantic partner or spouse or a caregiver. Statistics indicate that some of you may even at one point have participated in a way that could be considered violence against another person. Those are important stories that must be told. Without the stories and experiences of those who've been through something, we can never really come to a loving and effective resolution to that problem. We are told here in first, I'm sorry, second Timothy, to never be ashamed of the testimony of the gospel, including our own sometimes painful stories of captivity. It can be hard to tell the stories of where we came from, but the more we tell them, the more we are in charge of those stories, the less they are in control of us. Own your story. Don't let it own you. We live in a world that avoids painful stories. We want to sweep them under the rug, cover them up with global peace celebrations, go straight to the hope part where Jesus saves us. But without the stories of where we were, where we are loses its teeth. Those stories of where we were are one of the powerful ways that we can connect with others, that we can begin to rebuild communion with God and with one another especially with those who are in weak and vulnerable places, the very people scripture calls us to be with and to journey with. Shared pain brings people together. Knowing someone that God has brought through what you are going through gives real hope. When it comes down to it, connection is what communion is all about. Broken people seeking connection to God And through that connection to God, connection to one another. Those whose communion with God and others has been broken by violence can come together at this table. Witness to the gospel story of freedom from bondage and receive the healing grace of Jesus Christ. At this table, we leave all of our pain our fear, our baggage, and we step away free to share the gospel message in a powerful, personal way. At this table, we acknowledge the human condition worldwide, that it is one of sin and brokenness. And while some sins vary from culture to culture, some, like domestic violence, span the entire globe. All of us around the world need this healing table. At this table, we come together acknowledging all the things that are worth passing on to future generations of believers. At this table, we acknowledge that God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So this World Communion Sunday... Let us not forget that this Sunday is also a day to speak out against one of the most prevalent communion breakers in the world today. Remember that we are called to give testimony to freedom in Christ, even when our stories are painful and hard, even when it means talking about the things people don't like to talk about. Let us come to this table today ready and willing to be champions of freedom and justice because of the freedom that Jesus offers each and every one of us.
Amen.